Mulvey's was the first. When I was in bed that morning, and Mrs. Rubio brought it in with the coffee, she stood there, standing. When I asked her to hand me, and I pointing at them, I couldn't think of the word a hairpin to open it with. Ah, Orquilla, disobliging old thing, and it staring her in the face with her switch of false hair and her, and vain about her appearance, ugly as she was, near eighty or a hundred, her face a mass of wrinkles, with all her religion. Domineering, because she never could get over the Atlantic fleet coming in, half the ships of the world, and the Union Jack flying, with all her carabineers, because four drunken English sailors took all the rock from them, and because I didn't run into mass often enough in Santa Maria to please her, with her shawl up on her, except when there was a marriage on, with all her miracles of the saints, and her black blessed virgin with the silver dress. And the sun dancing three times on Easter Sunday morning, and when the priest was going by with the bell bringing the Vatican to the dying, blessing herself for His Majesty, an admirer he signed it. I near jumped out of my skin. I wanted to pick him up when I saw him following me along the Calle Real in the shop window. Then he tipped me just in passing. I never thought he'd write making an appointment. I had it inside my petticoat bodice all day, reading it up in every hole and corner, while father was up at the drill instructing, to find out by the handwriting or the language of stamps. Singing, I remember, shall I wear a white rose? And I wanted to put on the old stupid clock to near the time. He was the first man kissed me, under the Moorish wall, my sweetheart. When a boy, it never entered my head what kissing meant till he put his tongue in my mouth. His mouth was sweet like young. I put my knee up to him a few times to learn the way. What did I tell him? I was engaged for fun to the son of a Spanish nobleman named Don Miguel de la Flora, and he believed that I was to be married to him in three years' time. There's many a true word spoken in jest. There is a flower that blooms. A few things I told him true about myself, just for him to be imagining. The Spanish girls he didn't like. I suppose one of them wouldn't have him. I got him excited. He crushed all the flowers on my bosom. He brought me. He couldn't count the pesetas and the perigordas till I taught him. Capuquin he came from. He said on the black water. But it was too short then. The day before he left, May. Yes, it was May when the infant king of Spain was born. I'm always like that in the spring. I'd like a new fellow every year. Up on the tip top, under the rock on Nero Harris Tower, I told him it was struck by lightning, and all about the old Barbary apes they sent to Clapham without a tail, careering all over the show on each other's back. Mrs. Rubio said. She was a regular old rock scorpion, robbing the chickens out of Inte's farm, and throw stones at you if you went anear. He was looking at me. I had that white blouse on open at the front to encourage him as much as I could, without too openly. They were just beginning to be plump. I said I was tired. We lay over the fir tree cove, a wild place. I suppose it must be the highest rock in existence. The galleries and the casemates and those frightful rocks, 
and St. Michael's Cave with the icicles, or whatever they call them, hanging down. And ladders, all the mud, clutching my boots. I'm sure that's the way down the monkeys go under the sea to Africa when they die. The ship's out far like chips. That was the Malta boat passing. Yes, the sea and the sky, you could do what you liked. Lie there forever. He caressed them outside. They love doing that. It's the roundness there. I was leaning over him with my white rice straw hat to take the newness out of it, the left side of my face the best. My blouse open for his last day. Transparent kind of shirt he had. I could see his chest, pink. He wanted to touch mine with his for a moment, but I wouldn't let him. He was awfully put out first. For fear, you never know. Consumption or leave me with a child. Embarazada. That old servant Inez told me that one drop, even if it got into you at all. After I tried with the banana, but I was afraid it might break and get lost up in me somewhere. Yes, because they once took something down out of a woman that was up there for years, covered with lime salts. They're all mad to get in there where they come out of. You'd think they could never get far enough up. And then they're done with you in a way till the next time. Yes, because there's a wonderful feeling there all the time, so tender. How did we finish it off? Yes, oh yes, I pulled him off into my handkerchief pretending not to be excited. But I opened my legs. I wouldn't let him touch me inside my petticoat. I had a skirt opening up the side. I tortured the life out of him for his tickling him. I loved rousing that dog at the hotel. His eyes shut and a bird flying below us. He was shy all the same. I liked him. Like that morning, I made him blush a little when I got over him that way. When I unbuttoned him and took his out and drew back the skin, it had a kind of eye in it. They're all buttons, men, down the middle, on the wrong side of them. Molly, darling, he called me. What was his name? Jack? Joe? Harry Mulvey, was it? Yes. I think a lieutenant he was. Rather fair. He's a laughing kind of a voice. So I went around to the what-you-call-it, everything was what-you-call-it, moustache had he. He said he'd come back. Lord, it's just like yesterday, to me. And if I was married, he'd do it to me. And I promised him, yes, faithfully, I'd let him block me. Now, flying, perhaps he's dead or killed, or a captain or admiral. It's nearly twenty years. <laughs> If I said Fertree Cove, he would. If he came up behind me and put his hands over my eyes to guess who. <laughs> I might recognize him. He's young still, about forty. Perhaps he's married some girl on the Blackwater and is quite changed. They all do. They haven't half the character a woman has. She little knows what I did with her beloved husband before he ever dreamt of her. In broad daylight, too, in the sight of the whole world, you might say. They could have put an article about it in the Chronicle. I was a bit wild after, when I blew out the old bag the biscuits were in from Benedict Bross and exploded it. Lord, what a bang, all the woodcocks and pigeons screaming. 
coming back the same way that we went, over Middle Hill, round by the old guardhouse and the Jews' burial place, pretending to read out the Hebrew on them. I wanted to fire his pistol. He said he hadn't one. He didn't know what to make of me, with his peak cap on that he always wore crooked as often as I settled it straight. H.M.S. Calypso, swinging my hat. That old bishop that spoke off the altar his long preach about women's higher functions, about girls now riding the bicycle and wearing peak caps and the new woman bloomers. God sent him sense and me more money. I suppose they're called after him. I never thought that'd be my name, Bloom, when I used to write it in print to see how it looked on a visiting card, or practicing for the butcher, and oblige. M. Bloom. You're looking blooming, Josie used to say after I married him. Well, it's better than Breen or Briggs does. Brig, or those awful names with bottom in them, Mrs. Ram's bottom or some other kind of a bottom. Mulvey, wouldn't go mad about either. Or suppose I divorced a Mrs. Boylan. My mother, whoever she was, might have given me a nicer name. The Lord knows after the lovely one she had, Lunita Laredo. The fun we had running along Willis Road to Europa Point, twisting in and out all round the other side of Jersey. They were shaking and dancing about my blouse, like Millie's little ones now when she runs up the stairs. I love looking down at them. I was jumping up at the pepper trees and the white poplars, pulling the leaves off and throwing them at him. He went to India. He was to write. The voyages those men have to make to the ends of the world and back. It's the least they might get a squeeze or two at a woman while they can, going out to be drowned or blown up somewhere. I went up Windmill Hill to the flat that Sunday morning with Captain Rubio's that was dead spyglass like the sentry had. He said he'd have one or two from on board. I wore that frock from the B. Marché Paris and the coral necklace. The straight shining. I could see over to Morocco almost. The Bay of Tangier white and the Atlas Mountain with snow on it and the straits like a river so clear. Harry, Molly, darling, I was thinking of Mama C all the time after at mass when my petticoat began to slip down at the elevation. Weeks and weeks I kept the handkerchief under my pillow for the smell of them. There was no decent perfume to be got in that Gibraltar, only that cheap peau d'Espagne that faded and left a stink on you more than anything else. I wanted to give him a memento. He gave me that clumsy clatter ring for luck, that I gave Gardner going to South Africa, where those Boers killed him with their war and fever. But they were well beaten all the same, as if it brought its bad luck with it, like an opal or pearl. Must have been pure sixteen carat gold because it was very heavy. I can see his face, clean shaven. From that train again, weeping tone. Once in the dear dead days beyond recall, close my eyes, breath, my lips forward, kiss, sad look, 
eyes open. Piano. Ere all the world's and miss began. I hate that ispeg. Comes love's sweet song. I let that out full when I get in front of the footlights again. Kathleen Carney and her lot of squealers, Miss This, Miss That, Miss The Other, lot of sparrowfarts skidding around talking about politics they know as much about as my backside. Anything in the world to make themselves some way interesting. Irish homemade beauties. Soldier's daughter, am I? Aye. And whose are you? Bootmakers and publicans, I beg your pardon, coach. I thought you were a wheelbarrow. They died down dead off their feet if ever they got a chance of walking down the Alameda on an officer's arm like me on the band night. My eyes flash, my bust that they haven't. Passion. God help their poor head. I knew more about men and life when I was fifteen than they all know at fifty. They don't know how to sing a song like that. Gardner said no man could look at my mouth and teeth smiling like that and not think of it. I was afraid he mightn't like my accent first. He's so English. Old father left me, in spite of his stamps. I've my mother's eyes and figure anyhow, he always said. They're so snotty about themselves, some of those cads. He wasn't a bit like that. He was dead gone on my lips. Let them get a husband first that's fit to be looked at, and a daughter like mine. Or see if they can excite a swell with money that can pick and choose whoever he wants like boiling to do it four or five times locked in each other's arms. Or the voice, either. I could have been a prima donna, only I married him. Comes love, though, deep down, chin back, not too much, make it double. My lady's bar is too long for an encore, about the moated grange at twilight and vaulted rooms. Yes, I'll sing Winds That Blow From The South that he gave after the choir stairs performance. I'll change that lace on my black dress to show off my bobs, and I'll... Yes, by God, I'll get that big fan mended, make them burst with envy. My hole is itching me always when I think of him. I feel I want to. I feel some wind in me. Better go easy, not wake him. Have him at it again, slobbering after washing every bit of myself, back, belly, and sides. If we'd even a bath itself or my own room... Anyway, I wish he'd sleep in some bed by himself with his cold feet on me, give his room even to let a fart go to do the least thing. Better, yes, hold them like that a bit on my side. Piano, quietly. Sweet. There's that train. Far away. Pianissimo. One more. Song. That was a relief. Wherever you be, let your wind go free. Who knows if that pork chop I took with my cup of tea after was quite good, with the heat. I couldn't smell anything off it. I'm sure that queer-looking man in the pork butchers is a great rogue. I hope that lamp is not smoking, fill my nose up with smuts. Better than having him leaving the gas on all night. I couldn't rest easy in my bed in Gibraltar, even getting up to sea. Why am I so damn nervous about that? Though I like it in the winter, it's more company. Oh, Lord, it was rotten cold, too, that winter when I was only about ten, was I? Yes, I had the big doll with all the funny clothes, dressing her up and undressing. 
That icy wind skidding across from those mountains, the something Nevada, Sierra Nevada. Standing at the fire with a little bit of a short shift I had up to heat myself. I love dancing about in it, then make a race back into bed. I'm sure that fellow opposite used to be there the whole time watching with the lights out in the summer, and I in my skin hopping around. I used to love myself then, stripped of the washstand, dabbing and creaming. Only when it came to the chamber performance, I put out the light too, so then there were two of us. <sighs> Goodbye to my sleep for this night, anyhow. I hope he's not going to get in with those medicals, leading him astray to imagine he's young again, coming in at four in the morning, it must be, if not more. Still, he had the manners not to wake me. What do they find to gabber about all night, squandering money and getting drunker and drunker? Couldn't they drink water? Then he starts giving us his orders for eggs and tea, thinned and haddy and hot buttered toast. I suppose we'll have him sitting up like the king of the country, pumping the wrong end of the spoon up and down in his egg, wherever he learned that from. And I love to hear him falling up the stairs of a morning with the cups rattling on the tray, and then play with the cat. She rubs up against you, for her own sake. I wonder how she flees. She's as bad as a woman always licking and lecking. But I hate their claws. I wonder do they see anything that we can't, staring like that when she sits at the top of the stairs so long and listening as I wait always. What a rob or two, that lovely fresh place I bought. I think I'll get a bit of fish tomorrow. Or, or today, is it? Friday, yes, I will, with some blancmange with blackcurrant jam like long ago. Not those two-pound pots of mixed plum and apple from the London and Newcastle. Williams and Woods goes twice as far. Only for the bones. I hate those eels. Cod. Yes, I'll get a nice piece of cod. I'm always getting enough for three. Forgetting. Anyway, I'm sick of that everlasting butcher's meat from Buckley's, loin chops and leg beef and rib steak and scrag of mutton and calf's pluck. The very name is enough. Or a picnic. Suppose we all gave five shillings each and... Or let him pay... And invite some other woman for him, who? Mrs. Fleming. And drive out to the furry glen, or the strawberry beds. We'd have him examining all the horses' toenails first, like he does with the letters. No, not with Boylan there. Yes, with some cold veal and ham mixed sandwiches. There are little houses down at the bottom of the banks there on purpose, but it's as hot as blazes, he says. Not a bank holiday. Anyhow, I hate those ruck of Mary Ann coal boxes. Out for the day. Whitmond is a cursed day, too. No wonder that bee bit him. Better the seaside. But I'd never again in this life get into a boat with him after him at Bray telling the boatman he knew how to row. If anyone asked could he ride the steeplechase for the gold cup, he'd say yes. Then it came on to get rough, the old thing crookeding about, and the weight all down my side, telling me to pull the right reins, now pull the left, and the tide all swamping and floods in through, through the bottom, and his oar slipping out of the stirrup. It's a mercy we weren't all drowned. He can swim, of course, me, no. There's no danger whatsoever. Keep yourself calm. In his flannel trousers, 
I'd like to have tattered them down often before all the people and given what that one calls flagellate till he was black and blue. Do him all the good in the world. Only for that long-nosed chap, I don't know who he is, with that other beauty, Burke, out of the City Arms Hotel, was there spying around as usual on the slip, always where he wasn't wanted. If there was a row on, you'd vomit a better face. There was no love lost between us, that's one consolation. I wonder what kind is that book he brought me, Sweets of Sin, by a gentleman of fashion. Some other Mr. de Cock. I suppose the people gave him that nickname, going about with his tube from one woman to another. I couldn't even change my new white shoes, all ruined with the salt water, and the hat I had with that feather, all blowy and tossed on me. How annoying and provoking. Because the smell of the sea excited me, of course. The sardines and the bream in Catalan Bay round the back of the rock. They were fine, all silver in the fishermen's baskets. Old Luigi, near a hundred, they said, came from Genoa, and the tall old chap with the earrings. I don't like a man you have to climb up to go get at. I suppose they're all dead and rotten long ago. Besides, I don't like being alone in this big barracks of a place at night. I suppose I'll have to put up with it. I never brought a bit of salt in, even when we moved, in the confusion. Musical Academy was going to make on the first-floor drawing-room, with a brass plate. Or Bloom's private hotel, he suggested. Go and ruin himself altogether, the way his father did down at Ennis. Like all the things he told father he was going to do, and me. But I saw through him, telling me all the lovely places we could go for the honeymoon, Venice by moonlight with the gondolas, and the Lake of Como he had a picture cut out of some paper of, and mandolins and lanterns. Oh, how nice, I said. Whatever I liked he was going to do immediately, if not sooner. Will you be my man? Will you carry my can? He ought to get a leather medal with a potty rim for all the plans he invents. Then leaving us here all day... You never know what old beggar at the door for a crust with his long story. Might be a tramp and put his foot in the way to prevent me shutting it. Like that picture of that hardened criminal, he was called in Lloyd's Weekly News. Twenty years in jail, then he comes out and murders an old woman for her money. Imagine his poor wife or mother or whoever she is. Such a face you'd run miles away from. I couldn't rest easy till I bolted all the doors and windows to make sure... But it's worse again being locked up like a prison or a madhouse. They ought to be all shot, or the cat of nine tails. A big brute like that that would attack a poor old woman to murder her in her bed. I'd cut them off, so I would. Not that he'd be much use. Still better than nothing. The night I was sure I heard burglars in the kitchen, and he went down in his shirt with a candle and a poker as if he was looking for a mouse. A white as a sheet, frightened out of his wits, making as much noise as he possibly could for the burglar's benefit. There isn't much to steal, indeed, the Lord knows. Still, it's the feeling, especially now with Millie away. Such an idea for him to send the girl down there to take photographs, on account of his grandfather. Instead of sending her to Scary's Academy, where she'd have to learn, not like me getting all at school... Only he'd do a thing like that, all the same, on account of me and Boylan. That's why he did it, I'm certain. The way he plots and plans everything out. 
I couldn't turn round with her in the place lately unless I bolted the door first. Gave me the fidgets coming in without knocking first. When I put the chair against the door, just as I was washing myself there below with a glove, get on your nerves. Then doing the log lady all day, put her in a glass case with two at a time to look at her. If he knew she broke off the hand off that little gimcrack statue with her roughness and carelessness before she left, that I got that little Italian boy to mend so that you can't see the joint for two shillings. Wouldn't even team the potatoes for you. Of course, she's right not to ruin her hands. I noticed he was always talking to her lately at the table, explaining things in the paper, and she pretending to understand. Sly, of course, that comes from his side of the house, and helping her into her coat. But if there was anything wrong with her, it's me she tell, not him. He can't say I pretend things, can he? I'm too honest, as a matter of fact. I suppose he thinks I'm finished out and laid on the shelf. Well, I'm not, known or anything like it. We'll see. Well, we'll see now. She's well on for flirting, too, with Tom Devan's two sons, imitating me whistling, with those romps of Murray girls calling for her. Can Millie come out, please? She's in great demand, to pick what they can out of her, round in Nelson Street riding Harry Devan's bicycle at night. It's as well he sent her where she is. She was just getting out of bounds, wanting to go on the skating rink and smoking their cigarettes through their nose. I smelt it off her dress when I was biting off the thread off the button I sewed onto the bottom of her jacket. She couldn't hide much from me, I tell you. Only I oughtn't have stitched it and it on her. It brings a parting. And the last plum pudding two split in two halves, see, it comes out no matter what they say. Her tongue is a bit too long for my taste. Your blouse is open too low, she says to me, the pan calling the kettle black bottom, and I had to tell her not to cock her legs up like that on show on the windowsill before all the people passing. They all look at her, like me when I was her age. Of course, any old rad looks well on you then. A great touch me not to in her own way. At the only way in the theatre royal. Take your foot away out of that. I hate people touching me. Afraid of her life, I'd crush her skirt with the pleats. A lot of that touching must go on in theatres in the crush in the dark. They're always trying to wiggle up to you. That fellow in the pit at the gaiety for Beerbum Tree in Trilby. The last time ever I'll go there to be squashed like that for any Trilby or her bare bum. Every two minutes tipping me there and looking away. He's a bit daft, I think. I saw him after trying to get near two stylish-dressed ladies outside Switzer's window at the same little game. I recognised him on the moment, the face and everything, but he didn't remember me. And she didn't even want to kiss me at the Broadstone going away. Well, I hope she'll get someone to dance attendance on her the way I did when she was down with the mumps, her glands swollen. Where's this and where's that? Of course, she can't feel anything deep yet. I never came properly till I was, what, twenty-two or so. It went into the wrong place always. Only the usual girl's nonsense and giggling. That Connie Connolly writing to her in white ink on black paper, sealed with sealing wax. Though she clapped when the curtain came down, because he looked so handsome. Then we had Martin Harvey for breakfast, dinner and supper. I thought to myself afterwards, it must be real love if a man gives up his life for her that way for nothing. I suppose there are a few men like that left. It's hard to believe in it, though, unless it really happened to me. 
the majority of them are with not a particle of love in their natures. To find two people like that nowadays, full up of each other, that would feel the same way as you do, they're usually a bit foolish in the head. His father must have been a bit queer to go and poison himself after her. Still, poor old man, I suppose he felt lost. Always making love to my things, to the few old rags I have, and wanting to put her hair up at fifteen. My powder, too, only ruin her skin and her. She's time enough for that all her life after. Of course she's restless, knowing she's pretty, with her lips so red. A pity they won't stay that way. I was, too. But there's no use going to the fair with the thing, answering me like a fishwoman when I asked to go for half a stone of potatoes. The day we met Mrs. Joe Gallagher at the trotting matches, and she pretended not to see us in her trap with Friary the solicitor, we weren't grand enough. Till I gave her two damn fine cracks across the ear for herself. Take that now for answering me like that, and that for your impudence. She had me that exasperated, of course, contradicting. I was bad-tempered, too, because... How was it? There was a weed in the tea. Or I didn't sleep the night before. Cheese I ate, was it? And I told her over and over again not to leave knives crossed like that. Because she has nobody to command her, as she said herself. Well, if he doesn't correct her faith, I will. That was the last time she turned on the tear tap. I was just like that myself. They daren't order me about the place. It's his fault, of course, having the two of us slaving here instead of getting in a woman long ago. Am I ever going to have a proper servant again? Of course, then she'd see him coming and I'd have to let her know. Or she'd revenge it. Aren't they a nuisance? That old Mrs. Fleming, you have to be walking round after her, putting the things into her hands, sneezing and farting into the pots. Well, of course she's old. She can't help it. A good job I found that rotten old smelly dishcloth that got lost behind the dresser. I knew there was something. And opened the window to let out the smell. Bringing in his friends to entertain them. Like the night he walked home with a dog, if you please, that might have been mad. Especially Simon Dedler's son. His father such a criticizer, with his glasses up, with his tall hat on him at the cricket match, and a great big hole in his sock, one thing laughing at the other. And his son that got all those prizes for whatever he won them in the intermediate. Imagine climbing over the railings, if anybody saw him that knew us. Wonder he didn't tear a big hole in his grand funeral trousers, as if the one nature gave wasn't enough for anybody. Hawking him down into the dirty old kitchen, now is he right in his head, I ask? Pity it wasn't washing day. My old pair of drawers might have been hanging up too on the line on exhibition, for all he'd ever care, with the iron mould mark the stupid old bundle burned on them. He might think was something else. And she never even rendered down the fat, I told her. And now she's going such as she was, on account of her paralysed husband getting worse. There's always something wrong with them. Disease, or they have to go under an operation, or if it's not that, it's drink. Andy beats her. I'll have to hunt round again for someone. Every day I get up, there's some new thing on. Sweet God, sweet God. Well, when I'm stretched out dead in my grave, I suppose I'll have some peace. I want to get up a minute if I'm let. Wait. Oh, Jesus, wait. Yes, that thing has come on me. Yes. Now, wouldn't that afflict you? Of course, all the poking and rooting and ploughing he had up on me. Now what am I to do? Friday, Saturday, Sunday. 
Wouldn't that pester the soul out of a body? Unless he likes it. Some men do. God knows there's always something wrong with us. Five days every three or four weeks, usual monthly auction. Isn't it simply sickening? That night it came on me like that, the one and only time we were in a box that Michael Gunn gave him to see Mrs. Kendall and her husband at the Gaiety. Something he did about insurance for him, Drimmies. I was fit to be tied, though I wouldn't give in, with that gentleman of fashion staring down at me with his glasses, and him the other side of me talking about Spinoza and his soul. That's dead, I suppose, millions of years ago. I smiled the best I could, all in a swamp, leaning forward as if I was interested, having to sit it out then to the last tag. I won't forget that wife of Scarly in a hurry, supposed to be a fast play about adultery. That idiot in the gallery hissing the woman. Adulterous, he shouted. I suppose he went and had a woman in the next lane, running round all the back ways after to make up for it. I wish he had what I had, then he'd boo. I bet the cat itself is better off than us. Have we too much blood up on us, or what? Oh, patience above, it's pouring out of me like the sea. Anyhow, he didn't make me pregnant, as big as he is. I don't want to ruin the clean sheets, the clean linen I wore brought it on, too. Damn it, damn it. And they always want to see a stain on the bed to know you're a virgin for them. Oh, that's troubling them. They're such fools, too. You could be a widow or divorced forty times over. A daub of red ink would do, or blackberry juice. No, that's too purpley. Oh, Jamesy, let me up out of this poo, sweets of sin. Who ever suggested that business for women? What between clothes and cooking and children? This damned old bed too jinking like the dickens. I suppose they could hear us away over the other side of the park till I suggested to put the quilt on the floor with the pillow under my bottom. I wonder, is it nicer in the day? I think it is. Easy. I think I'll cut all this hair off me there, scalding me. I might look like a young girl, wouldn't he get the great suck in the next time he turned up my clothes on me? I'd give anything to see his face. Where is the chamber gone? Easy. I've a holy horror of it breaking under me after that old commode. I wonder was I too heavy sitting on his knee. I made him sit on the easy chair purposely when I took off only my blouse and skirt first in the other room. He was so busy where he oughtn't to be, he never felt me. I hope my breath was sweet after those kissing comforts. Easy. God, I remember one time I could scout it out straight, whistling like a man almost. Easy. Oh, Lord, how noisy. I hope there are bubbles on it for a wad of money from some fellow. I'll have to perfume it in the morning. Don't forget. I bet he never saw a better pair of thighs than that. Look how white they are. The smoothest place is right there between this bit here. How soft, like a peach. Easy. God, I wouldn't mind being a man and get up on a lovely woman. Lord, what a row you're making. Like the Jersey Lily. Easy. Oh, how the water's come down at Lahore. Who knows, is there anything the matter with my insides? Or have I something growing in me, getting that thing like that every week? When was it last I... 
quit Monday. Yes, it's only about three weeks. I ought to go to the doctor. Only it would be like before I married him when I had that white thing coming from me and Floey made me go to that dry old stick Dr. Collins for women's diseases on Prembrook Road. Your vagina, he called it. I suppose that's how we got all the gilt mirrors and carpets, getting round those rich ones off Stephen's Green, running up to him for every little fiddle-faddle, her vagina and her cutch and china. They've money, of course, they're, so they're all right. I wouldn't marry him, not if he was the last man in the world. Besides, there's something queer about their children, always smelling around those filthy bitches all sides, asking me if what I did had an offensive odour. What did he want me to do but the one thing? Gold, maybe. What a question. If I smathered it all over his wrinkly old face for him with all my compliment, I suppose he'd know then. And could you pass it easily? Pass what? I thought he was talking about the Rock of Gibraltar, the way he puts it. That's a very nice invention, too, by the way. Only I like letting myself down after in the hole as far as I can squeeze and pull the chain then to flush it. Nice, cool, pins and needles. Still, there's something in it, I suppose. I always used to know by Millie's when she was a child whether she'd worms or not. Still all the same, paying him for that. How much is that, doctor? One guinea, please. And asking me had I frequent omissions. Where do those old fellows get all the words they have? Omissions. With his short-sighted eyes on me cocked sideways, I wouldn't trust him too far to give me chloroform or God knows what else. Still, I liked him when he sat down to write the thing out, frowning so severe, his nose intelligent like that. You be damned, you lying strap. Oh, anything, no matter who, except an idiot. He was clever enough to spot that, of course. That was all thinking of him and his mad, crazy letters. My precious one, everything connected with your glorious body, everything underlined that comes from it is a thing of beauty and of joy forever. Something he got out of some nonsensical book that he had me always at myself, four or five times a day sometimes. And I said I hadn't. Are you sure? Oh, yes, I said, I am quite sure, in a way that shut him up. I knew what was coming next. Only natural weakness. It was he excited me. I don't know how. The first night ever we met when I was living in Rehoboth Terrace, we stood staring at one another for about ten minutes, as if we met somewhere. I suppose on account of my being Jewess-looking, after my mother. He used to amuse me, the things he said, with a half-slothering smile on him. And all the Doyle said he was going to stand for a member of Parliament. Oh, wasn't I the born fool to believe all his blather about home rule and the land league, sending me that long strool of a song out of the Huguenots to sing in French to be more classy, au beau pays de la Troenne, that I never even sang once, explaining and rigmaroling about religion and persecution. He won't let you enjoy anything naturally. Then, mighty as a great favour, the very first opportunity got a chance in Brighton Square, running into my bedroom, pretending the ink got on his hands to wash it off with the Albion milk and sulphur soap I used to use, and the gelatin still round it. <laughs> oh, I laughed myself sick at him that day. I'd better not make an all-night sitting on this affair. They ought to make chambers a natural size so that a woman could sit on it properly. He kneels down to do it. I suppose there isn't an all-creation another man with the habits he has. 
Look at the way he's sleeping at the foot of the bed. How can he, without a hard bolster? It's well he doesn't kick, or he might knock out all my teeth, breathing with his hand on his nose, like that Indian god he took me to show one wet Sunday in the museum in Kildare Street, all yellow in a pinafore, lying on his side on his hand, with his ten toes sticking out. That he said was a bigger religion than the Jews and our lords both put together, all over Asia. Imitating him, as he's always imitating everybody, I suppose he used to sleep at the foot of the bed, too, with his big square feet up in his wife's mouth. Damn this stinking thing, anyway. Where is this those napkins are? Ah, yes, I know. I hope the old press doesn't creak. Ah, I knew it would. He's sleeping hard. Had a good time somewhere. Still, she must have given him great value for his money. Of course, he has to pay for it from her. All this nuisance of a thing. I hope they'll have something better for us in the other world. Tying ourselves up, God help us. That's all right for tonight. Now, the lumpy old jingly bed always reminds me of old Cohen. I suppose he'd scratched himself in it often enough. And he thinks father bought it from Lord Napier that I used to admire when I was a little girl because I told him. Easy, piano. Oh, I like my bed. God, here we are as bad as ever after sixteen years. How many houses were we in at all? Raymond Terrace and Ontario Terrace and Lombard Street and Hollis Street. And he goes about whistling every time we're on the run again, his Huguenots or the Frogs' March, pretending to help the men with our four sticks of furniture. And then the City Arms Hotel... Worse and worse, says Warden Daly. That charming place on the landing, always somebody inside praying, then leaving all their stinks after them, always know who is in there last every time. We're just getting on right, and something happens, or he puts his big foot in it. Toms and Healy's and Mr. Cuffs and Drimmies. Either he's going to be run into prison over his old lottery tickets that was to be all our salvations, or he goes and gives impudence. We'll have him coming home with a sack soon out of the Freeman, too, like the rest, on account of those sinner fane or the Freemasons. Then we'll see if the little man he showed me dribbling along in the wet all by himself round by Cody's Lane will give him much consolation, that he says is so capable and sincerely Irish. He is indeed, judging by the sincerity of the trousers I saw on him. Wait. There's George's church bells. Wait. Three quarters they are. Wait. Two o'clock. Well, that's a nice hour of the night for him to be coming home at to anybody. Climbing down into the area, if anybody saw him. I'll knock him off that little habit tomorrow. First I look at his shirt to see. Or I'll see if he has that French letter still in his pocketbook. I suppose he thinks I don't know. Deceitful men. All their twenty pockets aren't enough for their lies. Then why should we tell them, even if it's the truth? They don't believe you. Then tucked up in bed, like those babies in the aristocrat's masterpiece he brought me another time. As if we hadn't enough of that in real life without some old aristocrat of whatever his name is disgusting you more with those rotten pictures. Children with two heads and no legs, that's the kind of villain they're always dreaming about, with not another thing of their empty heads.
You ought to get slow poison, the half of them. Then tea and toast for them buttered on both sides and new-laid eggs. I suppose I'm nothing any more when I wouldn't let him lick me in Holland Street one night. Man, man, tyrant as ever for the one thing. He slept on the floor half the night naked, the way the Jews use when somebody dies belonged to them, and wouldn't eat any breakfast or speak a word, wanting to be petted. So I thought I stood out enough for one time and let him. He does it all wrong, too, thinking only of his own pleasure. His tongue is too flat, or I don't know what. He forgets that we... then I don't. I'll make him do it again if he doesn't mind himself and lock him down to sleep in the coal cellar with the black beetles. I wonder, was it her, Josie, off her head with my cast-offs? He's such a born liar, too. No, he'd never have the courage with a married woman. That's why he wants me and boiling. Those for her Dennis, as she calls him, that forlorn-looking spectacle. You couldn't call him a husband. Yes, it's some little bitch he's got in with. Even when I was with him, with Minnie, at the college races, that hornblower with a child's bonnet on the top of his knob let us in by the back way. He was throwing his sheep's eyes at those two doing skirt duty up and down. I tried to wink at him first. No use, of course. And that's the way his money goes. This is the fruits of Mr. Paddy Dignam. Yes, they were all in great style at the grand funeral in the paper Boylan brought in. If they saw a real officer's funeral, that'd be something. Reversed arms, muffled drums, the poor horse walking behind in black. El Boom and Tom Kernan, that drunken little barrelly man that bit the bit off his tongue falling down the men's WC, drunk in some place or other, and Martin Cunningham, and the two Daedaluses, and Fanny McCoy's husband, white head of cabbage. Skinny thing with a turn in her eye, trying to sing my songs. She'd want to be born all over again. And her old green dress with the low neck, as she can't attract them any other way, like dabbling on a rainy day. I see it all now, plainly, and they call that friendship. Killing, and then burying one another. And they all with their wives and families at home. More especially Jack Parr, keeping that barmaid he does. Of course, his wife is always sick, or going to be sick, or just getting better of it. And he's a good-looking man still, though he's getting a bit grey over the years. They're a nice lot, all of them. Well, they're not going to get my husband again into their clutches if I can help it, making fun of him then behind his back. I know well when he goes on with his idiotics, because he has sense enough not to squander every penny piece he earns down their gullets, and looks after his wife and family. Good for nothings. Poor Paddy Dignam all the same. I'm sorry in a way for him. What are his wife and five children going to do unless he was insured? Comical little teetotum, always stuck up in some pub corner, and her or her son waiting. Bill Bailey, won't you please come home? Her widow's weeds won't improve her appearance. They're awfully becoming, though, if you're good-looking. What men? Wasn't he? Yes, he was, at the Glen Cree dinner. And Ben Dollard, bass barrel tone, the night he borrowed the swallowtail to sing out of in Hollis Street, squeezed and squashed into them and grinning all over his big dolly face like a well-whipped child's body. <laughs> Didn't he look a balmy bollock, sure enough?
That must have been a spectacle on the stage. Imagine paying five shillings in the preserved seats for that. To see him. And Simon Dedalus, too. He was always turning up half-screwed, singing the second verse first. The old love is the new was one of his. So sweetly sang the maiden on the hawthorn bough. He was always on for flirtifying, too, when I sang Maritana with him at Freddie Mayer's private opera. He had a delicious, glorious voice. Phoebe, dearest, goodbye, sweetheart. He always sang it, not like Bartell Darcy's sweet, tart goodbye. Of course, he had the gift of the voice, so there was no art in it. All over you like a warm shower bath. Oh, Maritana, wildwood flower. We sang splendidly, though it was a bit too high for my register, even transposed. And he was married at the time to May Goulding. But then he'd say or do something to knock the good out of it. He's a widower now. I wonder what sort is his son. He says he's an author and going to be a university professor of Italian, and I'm to take lessons. What is he driving at now, showing him my photo? It's not good of me. I ought to have got it taken in drapery. That never looks out of fashion. Still, I look young in it. I wonder he didn't make him a present of it altogether. And me too. After all, why not? I saw him driving down to the Kingsbridge station with his father and mother. I was in mourning. That's eleven years ago now. Yes, he'd be eleven. The what was the good in going into mourning for what was neither one thing nor the other? Of course, he insisted. Go into mourning for the cat. I suppose he's a man now by this time. He was an innocent boy then and a darling little fellow in his Lord Fauntleroy suit and curly hair like a prince on the stage when I saw him at Matt Dillon's. He liked me too, I remember. They all do. Wait. By God, yes, wait. Yes, hold on. He was on the cards this morning when I laid out the deck. Union with a young stranger neither dark nor fair you met before. I thought it meant him, but he's no chicken or a stranger either. Besides, my face was turned the other way. What was the seventh card after that? The ten of spades for a journey by land. Then there was a letter on its way and scandals too. The three queens and the eight of diamonds for a rise in society. Yes, wait, it all came out. And two red eights for new garments. Look at that. And didn't I dream something too? Yes, there was something about poetry in it. I hope he hasn't long, greasy hair hanging into his eyes or standing up like a red Indian. What do they go about like that for, only getting themselves in the poetry laughed at? I always liked poetry when I was a girl. First I thought he was a poet like Byron, and not an ounce of it in his composition. I thought he was quite different. I wonder is he too young? He's about... Wait. Eighty-eight I was married. Eighty-eight. Millie is fifteen yesterday, eighty-nine. What age was he then at Dillon's? Five or six about. Eighty-eight. I suppose he's twenty or more. I'm not too old for him if he's twenty-three or twenty-four. I hope he's not that stuck-up university student sort. No. Otherwise, he wouldn't go sitting down in the old kitchen with him, taking Epps's cocoa and talking. Of course, he pretended to understand at all. Probably told him he was out of Trinity College. He's very young to be a professor. I hope he's not a professor like Goodwin was. He was a patent professor of John Jemison. 
They all write about some woman in their poetry. Well, I suppose he won't find many like me who are softly sighs of love, the light guitar, where poetry's in the air, the blue sea, and the moon shining so beautifully coming back on the night boat from Tarifa, the lighthouse at Europa Point. The guitar that fellow played was so expressive. Will I never go back there again? All new faces. Two glancing eyes, a lattice head. I'll sing that for him. They're my eyes, if he's anything of a poet. Two eyes as darkly bright as love's own star. Aren't those beautiful words? As love's young star. It'll be a change, the Lord knows, to have an intelligent person to talk to about yourself. Not always listening to him and Billy Prescott's ad and Keyes' ad and Tom the Devil's ad. Then, if anything goes wrong in their business, we have to suffer. I'm sure he's very distinguished. I'd like to meet a man like that. God, not those other rook. Besides, he's young. Those fine young men I could see down in Margate Strand bathing place from the side of the rock, standing up in the sun naked like a god or something, and then plunging into the sea with them. Why aren't all men like that? There'd be some consolation for a woman, like that lovely little statue he bought. I could look at him all day long, curly head and his shoulders, his finger up for you to listen. There's real beauty and poetry for you. I often felt I wanted to kiss him all over, also his lovely young cock, there so simply. I wouldn't mind taking him in my mouth if nobody was looking, as if it was asking you to suck it, so clean and white he looked with his boyish face. I would too in half a minute, even if some of it went down. What is it, only gruel or the dew? There's no danger. Besides, he'd be so clean. Compared with those pigs of men, I suppose never dream of washing it from one year's end to the other, the most of them. Only that's what gives the women the moustaches. I'm sure it'll be grand if I can only get in with a handsome young poet at my age. I'll throw them the first thing in the morning till I see if the wish card comes out. Or I'll try pairing the lady herself and see if he comes out. I'll read and study all I can. Or learn a bit off by heart. If I knew who he likes. So he won't think me stupid. If he thinks all women are the same. And I can teach him the other part. I'll make him feel all over him till he half faints under me. Then he'll write about me. Lover and mistress. Publicly too with our two photographs in all the papers when he becomes famous. Oh, but then what am I going to do about him though? <laughs> 